I'm Ingrid. And I'm Lauren. And this is Project Rewatch. The first show on our list is Downton Abbey. Today we're discussing season one, episode one, and we'll give a recap, share some historical tidbits, and commentary on the most dramatic scenes. All right, so let's introduce ourselves a little bit more here. This is our opening uh, to the show which I'm very excited for as you know, we're definitely re-recording this after we already recorded the whole episode uh, to give a little bit more information Mm -hmm. because we didn't really say anything about ourselves (laughs) or the show or, um, and it kind of didn't make sense. So we're not very interesting. No, not at all. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So I'm rewatching this show and uh, I wanted to make a podcast about it. And my dear friend, Lauren has not seen the show. So it's a first time for her. Yes, I tried to watch it like 10 years ago when it was super duper new and super popular. And I just could not get into it at that time. And I've wanted to. And now that it's all out, I'm like, okay, I'm just binge it. They're also making the second movie for it. So we'll kind of coincide with that. I think we'll still be recording the seasons as that comes out. So that's exciting as well. So yeah, wanna... I've got a, a kid and a job, so it's not like I can actually binge it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this is good slow pace for you to do one episode at a time and kind of discuss it. Right. Yeah. So let's let's tell our listeners, I guess, a little bit more about us before we dive into the episode. Yeah. Um, well, I'll just... <clears throat> I love transparency, so (laughs) Um, if you ever hear any background noise, it's probably on my end. It's either a child or right now I'm in a bedroom and there's a cat in the closet wrestling around. So hopefully you can't hear that. But yeah, I uh, have a job and a kid and a husband and two cats and um, I bake a lot. Yes, you do. And I love TV. I do. I do. I should make, ooh, if they ever show something on Downton Abbey, I'll probably like recreate it. That would be We fun. could do it together. I'll bake something as well. We can try yeah. that. That'd be cool. Yeah. And I love television like too much. Yeah. Yeah. So I have two cats as well. I don't know if you said you had two. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. One's in the closet. She'll come out soon. <laughs> yeah. So I have two cats, Iroh and Roku. And yes, that's a nod that's to... Awesome sorry it's okay oh, connectivity issues yeah it's all good yeah. um yeah so I have two cats as well Iroh and Roku and that's a nod to Avatar the Nickelodeon one not with the blue people <laughs> and <laughs> and I live in Texas with my husband well, let's uh, give a little more background, I guess, how we met both yes. military spouses or I was former mm-hmm. military spouse. Now, both of our husbands were in the Navy. I was in, mm-hmm. in Japan and yeah, well, when we first and I was in Utah the first time. Oh, yeah. I was like, I don't even remember time. where you were. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, awesome. I remember I was I was in Utah because I was at a conference and then I was in Arizona yeah originally yeah but then uh after after I got married I moved to Italy so we were like super international friends I know yeah for a long time I was there four years about four years so in Japan yeah and we didn't meet in person for three years yeah she helped my whole just met yeah a a year ago yeah you helped my whole transition and moved back to the states yeah it was was awesome she was very helpful and it was like oh 
You're welcome. <laughs> so yeah, it was so crazy because like when I picked you up from the airport, it, I felt like I was just picking up a friend. Yeah, I'm like, well, we've known each other for many years now, so and talk pretty often. Yeah. And I don't know, if, I don't know if it was awkward for for your husband, for Joseph. I felt like, oh, yeah, yeah he's like, oh yeah, meet that. my friend that I haven't met yet either, but we're actually really close, you know. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then when we all went to dinner and I was like, oh yeah, this is my friend that I talk to all the time <laughs> that I just met yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. With your husband. Um, yeah. yeah. And the I powers think, of online. Right. Yeah. And I think, I think during that time that was, so we moved back to the States February, 2020. Like introduced ourselves to each other. Cause I was running a Facebook group and needed somebody to like run it with me and Ingrid stepped up. And mm-hmm. I think around that time was when we first started talking about podcasting and that we potentially wanted to do one. And we, we discussed rewatch podcasts mm-hmm. as well, but we, yeah, I, I, we landed on a show and we were maybe going to do it. And I mean, COVID and what craziness. I'm not quite sure, but I'm happy with this one though. We, I think we, yeah. we, I'm really excited to uh, get into it. Obviously, we're re-recording the intro here. So we already did episode one and we're really excited about that. Um, I wanted to make a note as well that all the articles that we mention or I talk about and I quote from are going to be in the show notes and wherever. You'll be able to see them, though, the articles and everything that I was quoting and talking about and the same for future episodes as well. And yeah, if I sound in this episode, not as excited, or I think maybe towards the end, I sound a little more excited. I was incredibly nervous. I spent many, many times, many, many times, I spent many hours um, on the notes and I rewatched it about four times because I'm very type A and I wanted it to be perfect. So I hope you guys enjoy. So upstairs, the Crowley family is dealing with the aftermath of the Titanic sinking. Robert Crowley, the Earl of Grantham, learns that his cousin, James, and James' son, Patrick, were on the Titanic. This affects the future of Downton Abbey as a marriage has been arranged between Robert's daughter, Mary, and Patrick, and now the family must find a new heir for the family home and fortune. Learning of this news, a young duke decides to visit Downton under the guise of coming to assess Mary as a marital prospect. He decides Mary is unsuitable since she will not inherit Downton and the fortune. The Duke also created quite a bit of drama in the home. Additionally, throughout the episode, there's a great deal of discussion between Lady Crawley and the Dowager Countess on how to protect Mary's future, as well as the future of the estate and Lady Cora's financial contribution. Meanwhile, downstairs, a new valet, John Bates, arrives. Bates and the Earl of Grantham serve together in the Boer War, The fact that Bates has trouble getting around after a war injury and uses a cane becomes the center of much discussion both upstairs and downstairs. Thomas is the main individual upset and teams up with O'Brien to spread rumors that Bates can't do the job and sets traps for Bates to fail. Robert Crowley initially decides to fire Bates but at the last minute decides to let Bates stay on. The episode ends with a small introduction of Matthew Crowley and his mother, Isabel. Yeah. So what did you think? It's a very long first episode for a show for me. I'm used to watching American TV. (laughs) It's quite the commitment and so much happens in it as well. There is. So I did try watching it before and I had to stop because there was too much. There were too many people. The accent was difficult to understand. (laughs) So I do 
watch it with subtitles yeah. um, so I can at least catch the slang and try to figure out what they're saying. But it does help with you know, the names because they also talk kind of fast. But there's so much that happens and it's very intriguing. When we find out that it's the Titanic that sank, I was like, okay, well, hey, there's some good context. It's in yeah. 12. Like, <laughs> can't can't go wrong with that. <laughs> yeah, I at least know about the Titanic. So <laughs> yeah, it gives some context. For a first episode too, I think of a series, you know, um, it packs a lot of detail and information and a lot of character development, even in the first episode. And is there any, you know, specific character that really like stuck out to you the most? Just yeah. in episode one? Yes. So the character of, so Carson and Bates both stood out because um, I mean, Carson's obviously the head of downstairs and Bates coming in and just kind of like almost being thrown under the bus, like immediately. <laughs> yeah. And so you pretty much before they even mentioned that um, Robert and Bates served in the war together, mm-hmm. you figured out that th- this was a favor. This is not someone, this is something. Yeah. Yeah. This isn't something that he got this job and but I also like didn't even know what a valet was. Yeah, <laughs> all the positions <laughs> in the house. Yeah. yeah, so so lots to learn, and then just historically, like there's oh a my lot gosh. of gosh, yeah. Like I've never even heard of the Boer War. Yeah, I didn't either. That was interesting to me because it's like obviously both of us are American. You know, mm-hmm. we our world history doesn't go that deep into other countries' wars. So I did look up a little information on that because I, I was like, okay, they fought in this war together. Where, how long, what what did that mean, you know, significantly? So I have a little information from the National Archives to Ooh. give us some background. Yes. Okay. Yes. So the South African War, sometimes called the Boer War or Anglo-Boer War, was the first major conflict of the, of a century that was to be marked by wars on an international scale. It demonstrated the inadequate. Inac- it demonstrated the inadequate. Inadequate. In, demonstrated. The, oh my God! It's so much reading. It demonstrated the inadequacy of 19th century military methods and raised issues of whether conscription should be brought in and the use of concentration camps. The South orange free state. So I didn't know what the heck conscription was. So that's basically a draft. Yeah. So like what we experienced in, in our wars with not enough volunteers and needing yes. force. Yeah. And, and you're totally right because we don't get a lot of the other conflicts that happened. I mean, this is pre-World War One, and exactly. the civil war and the revolutionary war. yeah but it's like even our own wars yeah diving back how much do we know and remember and understand and like the complexities of it um and concentration camps that it was introduced there that's that was so depressing to learn um I went a little bit deeper into that but we don't need to get into that it was really depressing yeah so that was interesting um and definitely helped give some understanding of them fighting because they talk about it you know a couple times in the episode of like mm-hmm. what that was even the conversation later between um Robert Crowley and his wife Cora of like what it meant to fight and you know she's saying oh yeah I, I understand he's like really you you understand what going to war means <laughs> and like the bond I would have I think it it gave a lot of insight into his character as well Robert Crowley because he runs this estate. He he doesn't have a job. Like, and they comment on that too. Like, you shouldn't if you're running an estate. So, 
the fact that he did serve his country you don't know but we'll see as the seasons developed of like him understanding the people a little bit more than maybe some his daughters do and and his wife even the hardships I guess we know that Bates is there because it's like some sort of favor of something that they've gone through I feel like it's only a matter of time before Robert will step up for Bates and and he really does at the end of the episode oh yeah Um, because like that last minute, no, you're staying here. Yeah. And to go out of character because he's, it was like, I guess not in his title to, to run up to a vehicle like that. And even uh, Carson was like, Oh, what should I be doing here? Well, it was really interesting. Cause I think that was a pretty defining moment. Um, and I'm sure there will be some issues <laughs> because, yeah. you know, Carson is the head of downstairs. He runs the staff, he runs the service. And so in that sense, he runs the household, but Robert, really runs the household and so there was almost like this power dynamic of who really runs Downton Abbey and obviously with who Robert appears to be in this first episode and having not watched it before you know he takes into account what Carson says and what O'Brien says and and he's a great leader in that respect but at the end he's he's the final say yeah yeah no this is my home and I want to employ my war buddy and by darn it, I'm going to. <laughs> yeah. And he even there's, you'll see they, they showed like a little bit of that. I think he was talking to Mrs. Hughes. Carson was at the moment. Um, and I think she's saying like, oh, would you ever have had like a different life? And I think it was that scene. He also says maybe early on or after at some point conversation between them of like, this is my family. Mm-hmm. I think he's end up defending or talking about them, which you, you'll see a lot more of um, as the yeah. season develops. His, his defense to them were, that loyalty crosses over to the family point where I think, and you'll see that maybe Mrs. Hughes doesn't necessarily, like she knows where to draw her lines and um, maybe Carson doesn't completely. Seriously, like Carson, is he just a bachelor? Like you'll see there's, you know, potentially some development there for more, but that's how I think it is. I can't imagine having that lifestyle where it's like, well, I just, I'm going to commit my whole life and career to this state, and I'll have very small amount of time out of here. Let me tell you, I might install a bell in my home. (laughs) (laughs) Me, my coffee. (laughs) Okay. Going back though, to the beginning, how you're saying the Titanics, I did have some information on that. There is a cemetery in Canada. Um, 121 people from the Titanic are buried at Fairview Lawn Cemetery in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Their graves are arranged in the shape of a ship's hull. It is the largest collection of Titanic graves in the world. An additional 29 are buried in two or more local cemeteries. Additionally, Titanic devotees travel to Halifax for the Maritime Museum of the Atlantic, which holds a large collection of artifacts from the wreck. So there's both the cemetery and the museum there, which is interesting because it being such a large event like what happened with that how were you know the families notified how were they buried it does mention too um in the new york times article that i guess some of maybe the more wealthy families were able to ship some of the bodies back but most of them did end up um in canada in that area it's so sad and to think of you know they talk about james and his father the guy that was engaged ish to marry oh my gosh yeah um, we'll talk the cousin that. yeah <laughs> the uh, cousin but like just all of the confusion and unknown of whether 
did they I mean obviously I think they knew whether they boarded or not but like well they didn't know till after like officially they were like wait they got on that ship they weren't supposed to and like and then keeping track of some of the friends who are potentially and it's not like you can just text them like hey I got reception now that I'm back in the states I'm good to go yeah yeah well speaking I mean just because you brought up the uh museum when I, oh God, I think it was like 11 or 12 years ago. Have you ever gone to a Titanic exhibit? I don't think so, no. It's creepy, but it's cool. You were in Canada and went to this one? No, I didn't go to one in Canada. They had like one of those traveling history exhibits that oh. were museums, but it was such a cool experience, you know, in terms of just talking of who was on the ship. So the one that I went to, you get a card and it has one of the passengers on it. Oh my gosh. Go through the exhibit and they have like, usually there's some uh, recreation of like that grand hall that you see in the movie, you know, Rose comes down to Jack (laughs) and all that stuff. And then at the very end, and you see these items and like, they're not pristine, but they don't look old. I mean, this was over a hundred years ago now, if you think about it. Yeah. Um, So they have like plates and mugs and cups and things um, and clothes that they've brought up. And then you find out if your passenger lived. Oh my god! <laughs> and like that's so depressing. And where they're buried, and, or like how long they lived. I was very excited. My person, I forget her name, but she was like the last living person. She was a teeny tiny baby on the Titanic. Oh wow, that's crazy. But we digress. <laughs> yeah, that talking about that though too. Like we were mentioning that Robert Crowley, you know, he has more of a, I think, better perspective on life and and how things work but he comments on that too of like um when he's talking to his wife oh surely like these people got out and it's like well you know it it was based on wealth who got off and the ship and you know women and children first there's like certain dynamics and he makes that comment to like everyone I guess like working under the ship like oh there's no way like there's absolutely no way like so depressing the women in first class yeah well, I wonder if that comment, because I don't, you know, I don't know much about like British hierarchy and the caste system there. So I wonder mm-hmm. like, if him making that comment, would James, like would his cousin and his cousin's son, would they have been considered first class? I mean, we see them as living this grand life compared to yeah. what we now. But how far high did they rank, yeah. especially as a third like, cousin, because they're not even if they hadn't been, you know, a first-class woman who is, who was boarding those uh, little boats first, like, was there even an opportunity? Like, yeah, it's like, okay, well, yeah, I guess we'll like freeze. Maybe, maybe that was his way of saying, regardless of how many people actually got off the ship, like James, James and, and Jane, the cousin, they did not make it off. Yeah. That's not a thing that happened. Moving you on. said, yeah, moving on. Okay, so favorite first character you saw? My favorite like. first character is Bates. Is Bates, okay. Because I think that he, even though he goes into a crappy situation and he is seen as like this underling by the underlings, basically <laughs> downstairs people, um, yeah. he still perseveres and he has this space. And so again, like we know that they're war buddies, something must have happened to where this favor is owed or they just bonded in some way that we're going to find out what could you possibly be gaining from this I still maybe I'll learn again because I don't really understand her motives there either all right so let's dive into 
later on in the episode, Mary and the dynamics of that and her losing Patrick. And um, I I can't remember if I did, but I love her. And like, I think my favorite character was her, but she's kind of hard to understand. She is blunt. It's someone you, I think, grow to love, but, or maybe not. Maybe you'll never grow to love her. I mean, I'm open to liking her, but right now she's just this prissy little brat. I mean, okay, for real, like whether she's engaged to her second cousin, which is not great. (laughs) So she's engaged to her second cousin, but the fact that like, okay, a family member died. Like, I don't even know some of my second cousins, but if they died, I'd be sad. I would probably shed some tears. I'm not like, um, what type of morning should I be in? Because I don't really want to do this. Yeah. This was was your cousin and not just your cousin. This was going to be your husband. I think she's conflicted though, which she talks about with, uh, her sister, Sybil, because Edith, I think that's her name always kind of gets on her about things. Um, and Sybil, like, I think there's that conversation where in the room and Edith leaves and she says, and she's like, I know you're uh, actually upset about Patrick more than you're leading on to. And she's like, yeah, but what makes me sad is I'm not too sad. And I think, cause she didn't want to marry him. I think that's the point. So she feels bad for, you know, being happy about that of like, what she expressed in front of her father too, of like, okay, I, I can only we can do half morning or whatever we don't have to fully go into it which that's that the fact that she has to marry somebody to keep you yes know, his yeah. date with her is uh I think like, it's so it is great to watch this and see like how far we've come as a society. thank god oh my god <laughs> well it makes me wonder I mean so okay so this sets place in 1912 and so like how accurate is that whole the like entail and the God, what's it called when you get like an inheritance? Like, oh, yeah. 20 years later or 30 years later, you know, Queen Elizabeth became the queen and she was a woman. And yes. So as we know, I am the, I guess, potential historian for this, this, at least this episode. I do have information on that too. Uh, Bardags, it's actually a divorce law firm in England. And they had, yeah, they had a blog about it or, um, and kind of described the entails. Does she at least like not get married until then? And then she doesn't have to get married because that's the other thing that sucks is like (laughs) to be a woman and be forced to marry someone simply to keep an estate in your family because it has to go to a male and that's why she is complex and you will learn to under at least understand her a little bit better because she I identify with her she is blunt and she's independent and she doesn't want people making decisions for her and I think she keeps her emotions kind of very safeguarded to obviously see Edith picking at and Sybil kind of you know understanding a little bit anyways okay so let's get into the entails it's a little confusing, so bear with me. Okay. We can discuss it afterwards. Um, so, okay, this is a quote from the article I read. Lady Mary's problems are twofold. Her first concerns are primogeniture, which stipulates the, yeah, big word, which stipulates the prior. Primo means cousin in Spanish. <laughs> okay. Yes, which stipulates the priority of males over females in the lines of succession and inheritance. The second concern is the entails, a legal process by which property can be bound to a title to prevent it from being broken up and sold off. The Earl's title passes to Patrick ahead of Mary because of the very strict male only. So that's part of the problem, which I think I talk about again here. Yeah. And the second quote, 
and tail, also called fee tail, was a feudal institution designed to prop up landed, I mess this up every time, aristocracy by ensuring that property could pass from one heir to the next without being broken up or sold off. When Cora's American fortune was added to the estate, it too became entailed to the next male heir. The Earl's property, including Cora's money, passes along with his title to the male heir, the obscure Matthew Crawley, rather than Lady Mary, who would inherit the property were it not linked to her father's title. So linking everything takes everything from her. Dowager, whatever she's called. Dowager Countess, I think, is her name, her title. Thank you. <laughs> now I understand why she has so many opinions. She's yes. Not- this like rigid old lady who's like I have more life experience than you listen to me there's there's a heavier stake and making sure that Mary marries the right person or at least gets something out of it which is why there's a lot of like back and forth so you'll see from the funeral when he's walk when Robert Crowley he's walking I believe with one of their lawyers and mm-hmm. Cora's not there and like so she like wants the lawyer to go in the house so they can have further conversation and he's like oh no we discussed everything we had to so and they see later too I think like right before they go to bed uh Cora and Robert Crowley are making this comment like I'm not going to give this up I'm going to keep fighting for Mary and he's like I'm Mm going to keep fighting for the estate so it's pretty I like that it's like does it have to be Mary like could one of the other sisters get married and then it would go to her with her husband I don't think so unless they married Matthew Crawley. It, no matter what, it will go to Matthew Crawley unless they, I guess, can unlink Cora's fortune or pretend, potentially unlink the title. I don't, I don't fully understand that, but um, yeah, so that's as much as I have on, on that. But it's definitely confusing and also really upsetting when the Duke comes and it, he's like, that's why he's there. And like, he pulls Robert Crawley aside and he's like, oh yeah, like, let me pull you aside so I can talk, huh? That guy's an ass. I didn't like him. Oh, the worst. Okay. Yeah. So that they have to marry their cousin. Yeah. Um, not great. Glad we don't do that anymore. Let me tell you though, first time watching it. Yes. When he and Thomas, they make eyes mm-hmm. and it meant something. And I said, something's going to happen with those two. Yep. And it did. Yeah. And like, I mean, you could kind of see it too, like, oh, um, no, 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 not Carson. Let's uh, let's have someone else. Who, who, who over here of these people can help me? Oh, obviously the guy that, like, yeah, I think you helped me before. Yeah, obviously you you've had a relationship, and it's interesting to see that diversity still shown because back in the, I mean, obviously we see it presented in this taboo nature, which in a lot of shows or or just omit from shows. Yeah, stuff like that where it's like, um. Mm-hmm. That has happened throughout all time and was a part of all of the fabric of history. And to show that even in episode one is amazing and wonderful. And unfortunately, it did not end up so great. And well, not for Thomas. Uh, yeah, not for Thomas. <laughs> yeah, not for Thomas. I mean, yeah, my opinions of Thomas kind of go back and forth. Um, not the greatest of morals. No, he's just an ass. I mean, so condescending especially towards Bates when he gets oh, yeah. like, yes, the man is injured but just because you're injured doesn't mean you can't do a job but he's just also, jealous for that though yeah he's super jealous mm-hmm. like okay we're in high school cool Thomas um but like why didn't I guess I'm curious if they had an opening for a valet then why did Thomas not 
apply for it i think he couldn't because i they make one comment and i'm not sure who it was and they say that like i think it's o'brien commenting about what cora said which was oh i wish that um her husband would have just been happy with thomas and like that's why she knew that i guess that they were looking for other people because he would have just taken him in and i'm like maybe he sees some character and moral flaws that he doesn't want around him on a daily basis i don't know and it's funny too, like, I don't know, you didn't, you wouldn't assume that of the Duke coming in and like, you know, they make comments on that too, about his arrival and scheduling it and scheduling around the morning period, which is so funny. I think there's a comment from Violet or McGonagall and it's like, oh, like make sure we schedule it after, after the morning period. because No one wants to kiss a woman in black, like, or something like that <laughs> while they're morning depressed or whatever, which is, oh, she's just so funny. But yeah, too, when the Duke does come and like that, he is just, he's manipulative as well, too. He's just as bad as Thomas. Like, oh, why don't you show me around the house? Oh, how about the attic? And it's like, yeah, well, because they went into the person's room and I was like. Yeah, and pushing Mary outside of her boundaries, manipulating her because he knew that she liked him and were, and he, and that too, just shows more of his character. He's like, oh, why, why are you apologizing to that man? It was to Bates. He interrupted them. And, and that too was so telling, do you want to come in my room too? Like, he's like, what are you doing here? And, um, really skeezy. Well, cause it made me want, like, I actually wondered if the Duke maybe was like someone in disguise, like he's not a Duke at all. Uh, and Thomas knows who he is and presents, he somehow gets presented as a Duke, but he has but, more of a background. Yeah. Something. Yeah. I mean, there is an element of respect that in some regard, you know, the service is there yep. to run the house, but that's their rooms, their that's space, their rooms. And in that sense, it made me feel like, um, the, the Crowley family, they kind of, they regard their service as family. Yes. So yeah. Me, Mary was protecting that and she knew it was wrong. And so yeah. I, which yeah which I that's an important point because maybe other households aren't like that maybe they don't respect their servants and their privacy which we'll see I think you know some pieces throughout the show but yeah that's a definitely an important point that they are regarded as family at least respected in their own right you Mm -hmm. know when I think Robert comes down this just the comments they make to it, but Robert came down first, I think to welcome Bates and he's like, Oh, I'm sorry. Don't get up. Like I'm coming into your space and stuff like that. So I think their rooms in the kitchen, you know, they kind of do recognize and respect that that's their space is where they work, you know, to, for them to be comfortable. So that's nice, I guess, you know, but can we talk? Okay. So going back like mm-hmm. to the beginning of the episode, because I know that we, we need to talk about some more of the downstairs people. Cause there's a lot of them. Uh, <laughs> Anna I, I love Anna I do too she is so sweet. I try not to make these comments about the characters because like I know you haven't seen it but I mm-hmm. love her she is so wonderful and sweet and and she totally like take Bates takes Bates in and just immediately is, yeah because what's the blonde kid's name yes let me I don't know off the top of my head I have to get the one this. that was ironing the newspaper I'm so glad they explained why he was doing that Oh yeah. Right. It's like, why? And they do that too with some things where they're like, they'll make it like a stupid comment someone says, and then they'll like kind of, or just a comment someone says and kind of explain what's going on. I'm like, thank you for the context. I have no idea what you're talking about. Man, that he, that he's a character that stays and I don't remember his name. Also. Oh my God. I don't remember the other girl's name either. The redhead girl. And hmm? when, 
Gwen, yes. You know she's in Game of Thrones, right? Or I don't know if you've seen Game of Thrones. <gasps> she's the one that gets with Jon Snow on the other side of the wall. Spoiler alert. Sure does. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Oh, William. I Sorry. I just found it. I do yeah. like William. I hope good things happen for William. Shut I'm up. Just... <laughs> Shut your face up. <laughs> we can see each other. You can't see us, but I, I can see her face and I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, that's why it's so hard. Cause I'm like, you're like, oh, this person. I'm like, because all you know, the stories are so dynamic too. So like a thousand things happen to them. So I'm not even giving anything away because so much you does. Are. I know. Now Sorry. Can't bad. even watch it anymore. Okay. I don't know if they showed it like I think they did for the like the morning periods, like kind of as like they discussed it. I think. William, do I just say that? Yeah, William is his name. It's so confusing because Thomas is his real is his real name, and that's Thomas is the uh, the other actor. So the actor, Tom, like yeah, yeah. So when I look at it, they're like right next to each other on IMDb, and I'm like, wait, wait, what? Yeah, but William's his name, and I think for the morning period, he has the armband and that's what the servants would wear so the servants do wear stuff during the morning period as well as we bring this about and i do have some comments on that too i mean like one obvious one they were way more strict on women than men when it came to morning periods like oh. so strict so there's this website called the edwardian promenade and they go they do a lot of deep dives into everything everything for that time period um and they had a lot of useful information. So I'll read some of my notes here. We can talk about that. So there was a strict dress code for women and re-entry into society. So kind of how the clothing worked, um, they had to wear this, this specific fabric called crepe. And I don't know if I'm saying that right. Creep. And <laughs> creep. Yeah. Creep. Um, and like the colors and like the transitioning back to colors was a big deal. Like they couldn't wear jewelry for most of like certain periods of time, like re-entering certain types of jewelry was a big thing. And like, bring, it was just a lot. And then coming back into society as well, like depending on your relationship to the person, it's if you could go to balls, dances, or even just accept people into your home, have friends over, there was very strict guidelines on that. And if like you didn't stick to it, it was, you're not upholding i don't know the morning period time well, i wonder so is that why mary asked like am i mourning him as a fiance or yes. as a cousin because they're different yes and that's what gives it a lot more perspective because she's it's like literally the formality she's asking like what is the formality of this because i wasn't that close with him the family didn't like we only our immediate family knew so how am i exactly going to mourn him we didn't have this like long romantic relationship this was an arranged marriage that no one really knew about so can I just mourn him as a family member like the rest of you or do I have yeah, to do it as a fiance? Right. No one because yeah they did make that seem like it was kind of an unknown it wasn't public knowledge that they were um, supposed to get married. Yeah and I wonder if they talk about it later I don't remember from re-watching it like the extent of that information too but it did seem they, there was another comment from the jealous sister Edith of like oh I would have taken him in a heartbeat and it's like okay calm down She's desperate <laughs> you'll see that a lot it's a really like sad storyline that never ends of same note like just mm. kind of wanting love wanting someone which is you know I guess you can relate but I wouldn't in the same way okay 
So another thing I'm wondering, so widows have the longest mourning period, which is, I, I guess, why she was inquiring. She's not a widow, but I, I think at least a in, engagement would be to some level. And there was, the, it's like from eight to two, eight months to two years. And they had to wear black dresses made of crepe, like I was saying earlier. And then there was a tr- transition to half mourn. And then you could add in more colors, more accessories and gold jewelry was then allowed. So I think they make a comment, like, can we just do half mourn or something or, or, or at least as the family period, you transition into half mourning really quickly. That's a long time. So can I like prorate my mourning period based off of how much I like the person? Like if you're an acquaintance, yes, (laughs) I can't, can you imagine even doing this now? Like there's like, you're not even able to like really leave your house or do anything in the dress you have to wear and the way you have to just, I, there's, that's a lot of pressure on the morning period. Like, I'd be like, okay, you know what? Yeah. Maybe I was engaged to him, but I re- he was really only a five out of 10 in my book. So I'm only going to mourn 50%. And also my cousin, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so I wasn't necessarily, yeah. And so the, of the eight months to two years, it's prorated at 30%. <laughs> Yeah, I'll give you uh, six months. Can that uh, work here? I don't want the whole two-year deal. So, um, yeah, so servants were provided morning attire by their employers, and the men usually just wore a black armband, which is what I was saying, and they wore this for the same period as the family. That's crazy going into mourning, like, with the family, and I'm like, I guess, like, you're not really, like, it's just your attire, but um, it's interesting, like, being a, you know, a servant in the home doing that. But is it another respect thing of, oh, yeah. our family that we care for is in mourning and we want to be compassionate again towards that and be in solidarity in a sense of. I think so. I think it's nice. I think it's they're, like. They're hurting. So we're hurting. Yeah. I think it's nice to, I mean, like, like we were talking how, like to really consider them right. as family, like or- employment there and money involved but um I think that's I don't know maybe not in other households where they did not consider them I guess you know closer as family because you'll see too with holidays and other stuff they demonstrate a little bit more kindness I guess yeah you'll have to see you'll have to see but yeah that was definitely interesting learning about the mourning periods and what that was what people had to do and uh i can't imagine and I I kind I think it helps look make Mary look less cold in that moment of like what am I supposed to do here I don't know maybe not to you but to me it was like I just like her in general so I'm just always gonna like I mean sometimes I won't side with her but for more often than not I probably will maybe maybe giving her the silver lining that she didn't come at it to me, she was very up at like snooty, like yes, but maybe, maybe it was confusion on her part. Yeah. Of like, what do you want? What does the family want from me? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Who else? What other characters were there? Oh, you mean downstairs? Oh, Miss Patmore, the cook, the chef. <laughs> she reminds me of the, uh, God, what's her Suki. Oh, really? Kind of. Yeah, I think, yeah, that cooks and kind of takes care of everyone and like a little harsh on Daisy, but you can see and you'll kind of see as their relationship develops trying to help her. Okay. There was one thing she made and like had taken upstairs and it looked really good. I have no idea what it is. I know. So good. It looked like it was like potatoes with some yellow stuff on it. Is there, a, is there a Downton Abbey cookbook? I'm looking that up right now. <laughs> there sure is $15 on Amazon. 
There's a cocktail cookbook too. Whoa, there's a couple of stuff here. <gasps> Afternoon tea cookbook. We should do that. Oh my gosh, we should do that for one of the episodes and like make something and have afternoon tea together as we discuss one of the episodes. That sounds really fun. Super interesting. Okay. So is there any like specific like back and forth or like drama or quotes that like kind of stood out to you? Um, in this episode, really just like the firing at Bates all the time and him just kind of taking that shit. Um think he's an observer and he's gonna throw a few people under the bus he's just collecting data um <laughs> I thought that the quips between Daisy and everybody else and like oh the one thing that I think the one part that I like could completely relate to was Anna or Anna and she wakes up they're like it's time to wake up and she goes one day the first quote yeah it's at the I very beginning to wake up when I want to basically I'm Whatever. sure as a new mother you feel that yes. <laughs> and working full-time oh, there yeah. are many other hobbies and tasks and stuff the alarm clock imagine. is not the only alarm clock <laughs> I was thinking about it yesterday I was like when was the last time I stayed in bed past nine that's crazy it feels like 84 years 84 years. <laughs> oh my god is that the titanic thing <laughs> <laughs> full circle oh yeah yeah that's what stood out. that that one part with Anna kind of stood out because I'm like yeah I feel like that's my life a little bit super relatable like oh my god like every day gotta wake up gotta do this gotta get going yeah it was I think there was almost like just this built-in cast system cast system because even like the newspaper being delivered late was like a huge how deal. dare you throw up our whole day drew <laughs> it Thomas was upset and I was yeah like, like what was the times then like that insane that like okay listen Robert Crowley's not gonna get his newspaper because the newspaper was late like is he really gonna be mad at Thomas and Thomas has to give the newspaper kid grief maybe so I mean there's less forms of communication so what you're getting for like the day is the newspaper and whatever like tokens of notes come from out of town like Oh, but I did. I loved the little quip back that that newspaper kid, he's like, you'll see. Yeah. <laughs> like, like you, you think that it's like, this is the one time it was warranted. Really, truly. You'll see. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. Those are, those are good ones. I like too, as we were talking about grief, Miss Patmore says like, um, nothing makes you more hungry or tired than grief. And she's talking to Daisy and just you know, with my mom's passing and stuff like that, I definitely understand. She talks about that too, a little more of like, yeah, I just ate so much and slept. And, and Daisy's like, did that make you feel better? Like, no, but like it passed the time. And I'm like, yikes. Like, mm -hmm. I think she's the one in the episode that really actually talks about grief. I don't think any of them else. I think that's the only moment kind of in that whole episode, which was heavily on grief and mourning and the Titanic and death and all these well, and then the whole like passing on of the estate, you know. Yeah, which is the le legality of everything, not really, you know, the right. my there, family said. Edith, you know, Edith, the desperate one. Oh, yikes. Like, At least I'm not fishing with no bait. Like, oh. Oh, that's my gosh. Yes. Yes. Well, yeah, Mary said that to Edith. You did not like what Mary said? I thought it was a sick burn. But yeah, I sick burn. It, like, it was mean. Yeah, she is pretty mean to Edith, but you'll see times too where Edith's quite mean to her as well. And that's rough. 
Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Good episode. Good points. Predictions. Predictions. Oh, your predictions. Yes. Yes. Give me your predictions. Okay. Mary is just going to continue to, I think she's going to like almost, um, in princess diaries she's gonna have all these suitors come up and she's just not gonna like any of them and try to challenge the endowment if you will that is attached to her um or dowry what else i don't know what's up with thomas like (laughs) he's gonna he's gonna get in it with somebody i haven't figured out who that's about it for now there's so many things that could happen I guess I would say Thomas's secret is probably going to come out and that's not going to be good. Um, And Bates is probably going to find it out first. Yeah. Those are some good ones. We shall see if they come to fruition. I think the last comment I want to make only, have you seen Penny Dreadful? Like the show? No, no, that's another one we could do, but um, it's just a commentary. O'Brien says to Daisy, Oh, you sound like a Penny Dreadful, which is interesting only because I like the show (laughs) and I do know what a penny dreadful is because of the show you know looking it up Um, which is funny because she's like she's being too dramatic but like that's like a weird comment because penny dreadfuls so I'll read a little quote here um, from BBC Um, they packed in kidnappings poisonings larceny bigamy revolution and all manner of gruesome revelation so I'm like it was sort of like I was like did they just throw that in just because like she was just talking about like mourning and being upset so it's kind of kind of off-putting to I don't know say that Penny Dreadful is a term that's stuck describing a 19th century British publishing phenomenon whose very disposability the booklets bargain cover price meant that they were printed in on exceptionally flimsy paper has made surviving examples a rarity despite their immense popularity at the time um, so Penny Dreadfuls were never intended to have much of a shelf life and with few exceptions the string of pearls which introduced the character of Sweeney Todd is one they have faded away like graffiti on a bathroom wall but that's not to say that they haven't left their mark on the broader culture literary and otherwise they inform the pace of true crime narratives and pulp fiction cartoons like like zeal in their blatant derivativeness they foreshadowed fan fiction so it was kind of fundamental which I think is really interesting and it's it's a throwaway comment in the episode for sure but um it's like page six (laughs) yeah yeah it's like they're sort of gossip sort of like yeah anyone could write and like you know put these stories together vampires all these things and it, it did inform I guess you know the culture and the literature of that time which grew into novels but excuse me there's like it's throwaway like magazines yeah Yeah, magazines throwaway magazines that kind of were were widespread and because I watched the show that was so interesting to me because I I remember looking up when I was watching I was like what is the origin of the name of the show and it's like oh because it has these characters and this I uh, thought any dreadful was just like a person who was kind of a sourpuss (laughs) I did too. Fancy. <laughs> yeah, when I think when I first watched this show, that show wasn't out yet. So I'm like, oh, she's just being sad, you know? <laughs> it, yeah, like, uh, what's it called? Um, What's that term that we say? Like a Debbie Downer. She's Debbie- being a Debbie Downer, you know? And yeah. I'm like, I thought that's what that meant, but it, it, it truly does not. It has a lot more context to it, I think is just interesting. But yeah, so good episode. Um, Glad I finally get to watch it. Yeah, definitely. Did we say your favorite character of the episode? 
Yeah, you said Bates and mine, obviously, Mary. There's going to be a lot more going on. Each episode is its own adventure, and I look forward to it. I'm excited. It's got, it's so much is covered. I feel like I watched three episodes. Yeah, just in like, just in us talking about it too. Like how much can we talk about it? And it's just one episode. <laughs> so much drama. Good stuff. Okay, well. Want to wrap it up? Let's wrap it up. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Project Rewatch, Downton Abbey edition. You can follow us on Instagram at Project Rewatch and email us suggestions, questions, or interesting stories related to the show at projectrewatchpod at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and talk to you next week.